that's often what it's all about. People are just, just don't want to face the season because of the stress that goes with it. And some people think that gift giving is wrong and some religious groups won't even celebrate Christmas. But I, uh, I'm here to tell you this morning that as Christians, we're not called to legalism. We're called to love. And if Christmas can be used as an occasion or an excuse to love others, then I say, let us embrace the season. Amen? Amen. Let's uh, see that video clip, and hopefully this will cause you to chuckle a little bit and help you to get some perspective. Okay, you can all go home now. <laughs> you get the message. You know what? I just want to talk to you about how important it is to give the gift of encouragement this Christmas. There's a lot of people out there, and maybe you're one of them, that just need some encouragement. And uh, you know that the Christmas, the Christmas story begins with lots of words of encouragement. And they come right from God himself. God sent angels to this earth to encourage us and we see the first angel going to Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist, who is actually the cousin of Jesus. And the angel comes to Zechariah and says, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. You're going to have a son. And then we find the angel appearing to Mary. And the angel went to her, Luke one twenty eight says, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then we see the angel appearing to Joseph and calming his fears concerning his bride-to-be Mary. And then the angel appears to the shepherds. And it says in Luke 2, 13 and 14, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, What? Glory to God in the highest, listen to this, and on earth peace to man on whom his favor rests. And of course, you know that God's had a star specially appointed to lead the Magi to the baby Jesus. And so recognize this, my friends. Christmas is all about encouragement. And it's not an artificial encouragement that is somehow mustered up by people, but it comes right from God, sent to us by his holy angels to encourage you and me. Now listen to me. This morning, you and I uh, are called by God to be his messengers, to bring encouragement to broken and hurting people. And this Christmas, I want you to understand that God has called us to bring encouragement his encouragement to broken and hurting and hopeless people. Folks, that's in our, in our hands. That's, that's within our power to do that. And so I'd like us to take a look at that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 to 11. And, uh, could you read that along with me as best you can? But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, 
and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And so I want to just take a look at that passage of Scripture this morning and just share with you some of the ways that you can encourage the people in your life. And when I say encourage the people in your life, I mean encourage your spouse, encourage your kids, your neighbors, the people you work with, uh, relatives far away. They've got a wonderful thing called the telephone. You can use that. But you can be used by God to bring encouragement to broken and hurting people. And the first thing that we uh, we can do is we can smile. Can we take a look at that? Smile. And here's why you can smile. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8a, but since we belong to the day. Do you recognize that? We don't belong to the darkness. We belong to the day. Did you recognize that? Because you belong to the day, because you've been purchased and bought by Christ with his very own blood, because he has rescued you from darkness, You've got a reason to smile. You're no longer in the darkness. You're no longer hiding in shame or in guilt. The burden's been lifted from your shoulders. You've been set free by Jesus Christ. No longer do you live in fear or in shame. No longer do you have to worry about death or dying because you have been given life and you've been given eternal life. You have got a reason to smile because you belong to the day. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got every reason in the world to smile. And so I want to know why you're not smiling at me this morning. Some of you are sitting there so serious. This is serious stuff. This business about smiling. I'd like you just right now to smile at the person sitting beside you. And for some of you, you haven't smiled for for months. And it really felt strange, didn't it? God has called us to be people who smile. People who encourage others with a smile. A smile is is one of the greatest gifts of encouragement that you can give to anyone. How many remember the story about Jacob and how he stole his brother's birthright? His brother Esau, in fact. And Jacob was, uh, his life was in danger. Esau was going to kill him. And Jacob ran away for years. And then finally one day God said, okay, it's time for you to go back to your land, back to your home. And he was terrified, terrified of what his brother would do to him. He was terrified that his brother would kill him. <laughs> he is terrified that his brother would destroy him and his family and all his possessions. But the day came, the moment came, and finally Jacob had to meet his brother. And look what it says in Genesis 33.10. Jacob comes comes face to face with Esau. But Jacob, it says, but Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept these gifts from me. Remember, Jacob sent all kinds of gifts ahead to his brother just to sort of grease the wheels so that his brother would accept them. But then he says, and what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Do you recognize, my friends, that sometimes all anybody needs is a smile from you? And like, and like Jacob says, it's like seeing the face of God. Wow. When's the last time you smiled at the cashier that was helping you? When's the last time you smiled at the one that was pumping gas, putting gas into your car? When's the last time you smiled at your waitress? When's the last time you smiled at your kids or your wife or your husband? 
And I don't mean one of those fake smiles. I'm talking a real warm smile where you can see that person's eyes light up, where their, their eyes are twinkling, and they're giving you a smile that comes right from the heart. My friends, this is what God has called you and me to be, to be a reflection of Him. Some of you say, well, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm smiling on the inside. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, if you're smiling in the, on the inside, well, would you just tell your face to, to get with it and smile? What a difference it makes. Do you know there's people who don't even know that they're frowning all the time? Some people are so used to frowning that now, when they're not thinking about it, they just got a permanent frown on their face. Have you noticed that? And you don't know if they're happy. You don't know if they love you or hate you. You don't know if they want to kill you. And meanwhile, they're, saying, they're, they're just totally oblivious to it. They have no idea even how they're coming across. I had an aunt... Aunt Edna from Mather, Manitoba. And I used to love it when my folks would take us to visit her. Because whenever we saw her, she always had just a huge smile on her face. It was, it was there at all times. Even when things weren't going good, she had a smile on her face. And it and always made you feel loved. She made you feel like you were seeing the face of God. I love what... It says in Job, Job 29, 24, it says, When they were discouraged, I smiled at them. My look of approval was precious to them. I think that people that you work with need to see you smile at them. You say, Pastor, you don't know who I'm working with. <laughs> they need to see you smile. Some of you I know work with children, and sometimes you like to pull the hair out of your head, and if not that, then pull the hair out of their head. <laughs> Some of you got kids and they're at that age. And you know what? They need to see you smile. And I can tell you from personal experience that you can actually change the climate in a room just by putting a smile on your face. Proverbs sixteen fifteen it says, When the king smiles, there is life. I think of the king as, as a parent, mother, or father, somebody who's in charge, somebody who's who's in a position of power, that they can make a difference in somebody else's life. When the king smiles, when mom smiles, when dad smiles, there's life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. Isn't that a wonderful picture? My friends, that's what you and I need to give others. We need to give people the gift of encouragement through a smile. The second thing that we, that we need to do is we need to give the gift of good manners. That is putting others first. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8b. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Let's face it. Our first instinct is to put me first. I don't mean, I mean, putting you first and me put me first and you put you. That's our first instinct, isn't it? We want to look out for ourselves. And no one's going to push us around. And especially at this Christmas season, I saw, I got to that table first. I got the, I, I'm getting that deal because I saw it first. And you, has anybody been to Walmart? I'll tell you, that's a very wicked place to be at Christmas time. <laughs> Does anybody remember in the old days at, uh, at Woolco when they used to have dollar days? Anybody remember those days? I'll tell you, you never saw such wicked women. <laughs> 
fighting. I, you know, I just casually happened to be there one day, and I, I stepped up to the counter where all the, the dollar stuff was. I picked something up, and a woman pulled it right out of my hands, whipped it right out of my hands. I looked at her, stunned, shocked, and hurt. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. You know what? As Christians, you and I need to live and look and act and behave better than anybody else. Isn't that right? Because we are a reflection of Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, let us be self-controlled. Because our, because our instinct is to shove people aside and put ourselves first. And Paul says, oh, that's not the Christian life. It's quite the opposite, in fact. It's to be self-controlled and to love. That's what you and I need to do. You need to put other people first. You need to control the urge to live and to fight for your rights. And you need to let others go first. And so here's what I'm saying that you need to do. When you get up in the morning, just before you leave the house, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. And for some of you, that would be a very shocking thing, first thing in the morning, but you need to do it. And then you need to speak to yourself. And you need to say, in my case, I'd say, Alan, today you are going to be nice to people. You need to remind yourself to do that because your instinct is to not be nice. Did you know that? That is, that is the human instinct, is to be self-centered and out of control. And Jesus calls us to be self-controlled and to love. So here's some suggestions for you, for some, some suggestions. When you're driving along at rush hour, let that car in ahead of you. Could you do that? That's hard to do, I know, uh, especially when, they, when they're rude about getting in to position in the first place. And can I tell you this? If you've got any kind of Christian symbols on your cars or any bumper stickers that say Jesus is love or the reason for this season or whatever, then you need to really be nice. You need to go out of your way to be kind and to be a really good citizen on the road. If you're an undercover Christian, well, it's not as, not as urgent, but, but if you are going around letting people know that you're a Christian, then you better act like one. Amen. You better make sure that you're putting others first and you've got good manners. When you come to the building, open the door for someone and let them in. How about this? Why don't you scrape your neighbor's car windows after you've scraped your own car windows? And why don't you shovel the snow too if you have the time to do it? Let someone in who has just a few things in her cart. One day I was rushing to the airport and I needed to pick up a clean shirt, a new shirt. And um, I had one shirt in my hand. The woman in front of me had a whole basketful. I said, do you mind if I get ahead of you? I've got to get to the airport. And she said, no, you cannot go ahead of me. You'll wait here. And I felt at that moment like knocking her block off. But because I'm a pastor, <laughs> no, that's not true. Because I'm a Christian, I didn't do that. But I knew in my heart, I heard God speak to me and say, Alan, make sure that when you're in this position, you always let the other person go first. And so there's sometimes that it takes a long time for me to get out of Costco because I'm letting people go through with a pack of chicken and, you know, pack of eggs, whatever. But I know in my heart that this is what Jesus would do. If I'm not in a hurry, then I need to let those who are in a hurry get ahead of me. Because I am a believer, I'm a Christian, and my job is to make sure that I express God's love to those around me. Why don't you be nice next time? Has, did anybody get phone calls from people you don't know trying to sell you stuff? What is your instinct? <laughs> Slam the phone down. Say nasty. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
be nice to them. Say, please, say thank you. Say, no thank you. (laughs) Not right now, please. But be nice to them because you know what? They're just trying to make a living. They're not doing that. Nobody, nobody gets on the phone, sits out to bug you. I'm going to phone Alan Denkaff and really torment him by trying to sell him insurance. No, they didn't. They're just doing their job. Would you be nice? Give someone the gift of encouragement by just being nice. If you get some Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses knocking on your door, be nice to them. They're lost people that need to find Jesus. And they'll never find Jesus if you say, I'm a Christian and I don't believe. That's not the way to win them to Jesus. What you need to do is you need to be nice to them. And if uh, someone comes along asking for a loony, just give them the loony. It won't kill you. Give them that quarter. Oh, but what if he buys alcohol with it? You know what? You give that loony as unto God. And that man will have to answer to God for what he does with that loony. But be nice. Even as Jesus has been nice to you and me. Can I suggest that you, number three, give, share a little this Christmas. Oh, some people just need a bit of encouragement. A bag of groceries on the doorstep. Well, in this cold weather, I wouldn't leave it on the doorstep. (laughs) Put it inside the porch. Knock on the door. But share. I have a pastor friend who I occasionally go for lunch with, and he's uh, one of those loud talkers. Does anybody know what I talk about? What I mean when I talk about loud talkers? Everybody around can hear what they are saying. And this pastor friend of mine is a loud talker, and I know that people around us know that we're in the ministry, that we are Christians, and I know for sure that the waitress knows that we are pastors. And here's the thing. The, the occasional time when he gets the bill, which isn't very often, but the t- occasional time he gets the bill, I'm always embarrassed at the very tiny little tips that he gives. Now remember, the two of us sitting there as representatives of God. Yes, because as a Christian, that's what you are. You're representative of God. That waitress is sitting there listening to you talk about Jesus and about your faith and And then when you leave, you don't even have the decency to give a decent tip. I always leave a little bit extra. When he's left his meager little loony or a couple of quarters and gets up and leaves the table, I pull out a bit more to top it off. I can't tell you, my friends, what an encouragement it is when you're treated right. And if you've ever been in in the... in the retail industry, if you've ever worked serving the public, then you know what I'm talking about. Jesse is telling me about how difficult his time at Rona was because people could be so ignorant and rude and say the meanest things. I have no idea, no idea how busy he is serving so many people. As Christians, your job and my job is to be generous, to share. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love. It is impossible, my friends, to have faith and to be filled with love without giving, without sharing with somebody. I love what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, each man 
In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided to give in his heart, to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know that word cheerful in the Greek is actually hilarious? God loves a hilarious giver. And so you you know at Christmas time, uh, Santa Claus goes ho, ho, ho. <laughs> he's a, a happy, jolly fellow. Well, my friends, the reason he's happy and jolly is because he's giving. And that's the kind of giver you need to be. When that offering basket goes by, just go ho, ho, ho and drop it in. <laughs> when you go to help that person living next door to you, ho, 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 here's a bag of groceries. To the nurse or, or, the, or the waitress or whoever it is that's waiting on you, share a little bit of what you have and watch the smile that comes to their face. Why don't you give, uh, give your postman, your banker, your paper boy a tip or a box of chocolates this Christmas? Why don't you... Bring your boss, your workmate, some Christmas cookies or some Tim Hortons donuts. You know, a single mother, bring her a little bit of food. Or an elderly lady or man, bring some cookies over and have a cup of tea. It's within your power and mine to give, to share a little bit. And that, my friends, is, the, is what Christmas is about. It's about encouraging people. And nothing will bless you like giving and sharing with others. Let me share this further. You need to share some kind words. You need to say please. You need to say thank you. You need to offer the compliment when it's in your power to do that. First Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You know, that's what's wrong with Christianity in North America. We don't encourage each other. We don't build each other up, and we struggle in our own little corner. But the mark of the believer is that we are people who encourage with kind words. Now, the most definitions of the word encourage or encouragement stress that to encourage is to inspire with courage. That's what encouragement is. So you impart courage to people. You impart hope to them. You impart resolution to them. You can do it. You can make it through this time. I love it. Some versions, older versions... Instead of using the word encourage, to use the word to hearten, which literally means, listen to this, it literally means to put heart back into someone. There's all kinds of people that need to have their heart put back in because people have been rude and nasty and mean and life's been hard and it's torn their heart out and God has given you the gift and the ability to come to them and to give them back their heart and put a smile on their face. Wow, what a Christmas gift if you could do that for someone this year. And I'm sure there's all kinds of people that you know. Maybe, maybe a neighbor's having a hard time. All kinds of people that, that need the gift of a kind word. I've got a list here of, of people who were discouraged in life. Famous people that you know very well. After Fred Astaire. Anybody know who Fred Astaire is? Probably the, the best dancer of the 20th century. At his first screen test... There's a memo, 1933 written, uh, 1933, written about him from the MGM testing director who said this, can't act, slightly bald, can dance a little. And that was all that he, all that he had to say about Fred Astaire. Well, Fred Astaire got a hold of that memo and he put it in a frame over his fireplace in his Beverly Hills mansion. You know that Fred Astaire, one of the great, great dancers and actors of the 20th century. An expert. How many of you have heard, no, you've, you've heard experts who, who, who seem to know it all? Well, this expert on football, 
said this of the legendary football coach, Vince Lombardi. He says, it says, um, he said this about Vince. He said, he possesses minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. And if you know anything about football, you know that Vince Lombardi is one of the great, maybe the greatest coaches of all time. Louisa May Alcott, the author of the famous Little Women, was advised by her family to forsake writing and to find work as a servant or seamstress. And she didn't listen to them. She went on and fulfilled her dream. She wouldn't listen to the unkind words, the words of discouragement. She listened to her heart, which encouraged her to go forward. Decca Records Company in 1962 said this, We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. And so they rejected the Beatles. (laughs) Bad move. Beethoven handled the violin awkwardly and preferred playing his own compositions instead of improving his technique. And his teacher called him hopeless as a composer. And you know, Beethoven went on to be one of the great, great composers. Oh, what a kind word will do for people. Encourage them. Drive them forward. And it's in your power to do it. You could be the one that turns a person's life around just by a kind word. Walt Disney... Anybody hear of Walt Disney? Obscure, obscure entrepreneur. In this, no, he's not obscure. He was fired by a newspaper for, get this, for lacking ideas. <laughs> he went bankrupt, bankrupt several times before building Disneyland. And here's my favorite one of all. Einstein, one of the greatest geniuses in all of human history, one of the greatest geniuses of all of human history, had this said about him. It doesn't matter what he does, he will never amount to anything. That was Albert Einstein's teacher to his father in 1895. Don't you love that? (laughs) He'll never amount to anything. My friends, it's in your power. As an agent of God, because as a Christian, that's what you are. You're an agent of God. It's within your power to turn a person's life around with a kind word. Oh, that we would all leave this place today and and encourage as many people as we could. Scripture directs us to do just that. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, the writer of Hebrews says. An An anxious heart, Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man's down, but a kind word cheers him up. Isn't that right? Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and listen to this, and healthy for the body. Do you know that you can actually change a person's uh, physical condition? You can change their, their, their health situation just by some kind words. When I was a child, we used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but uh, that's not true. That's not true. That does not come out of the Bible. Words do hurt. Words hurt very much. But thank God that encouraging words will heal, help, and give heart to people who are broken and hurting. And it's in your power to do that. This Christmas, you need to encourage someone. Maybe it's somebody that you're not talking to these days. Somebody that you're angry at. Somebody that's ticked you off. Why don't you say a few kind words? I can tell you this. My perspective has been changed. My spirit has been lifted by someone coming along and just giving a few kind words. Do you know that you never get to an age 
where you don't need to have a kind word. And all those over 60 said? Yeah. There's one other thing I want to share with you. I'm going to touch on it more next week. The fifth thing you need to do, you need to share Jesus. That's the greatest encouragement you'll ever share with anyone. You need to tell your story. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, the best gift that you can share with anyone is Jesus. And look, you know what? I hear people say, you know, I'm too terrified to, to witness Listen, stop turning it into something that's awkward and weird and strange. And stop trying to make it into something that, that is unnatural or forced. Just tell your story. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. God did not appoint me to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. People want to hear what Jesus has done in your heart. And I'm going to tell you this. The reason I left this to last, share Jesus to tell your story, is because you cannot share Jesus, you cannot tell your story, if you, in fact, have not been smiling, have not been using good manners, have not been sharing, and have not been offering kind words. My friends, I've given you five things that you can do to encourage and transform a person's life. If you do the first four, it'll give you permission to do the fifth to share your story. And I want to show you one more video clip and then we'll close. Scotty, if you would turn that on, please. Christmas. 